Thank you so much for joining us today. We would love to know how this ministry is touching your life. Please take a moment and visit NBCOcala.com stories to tell us your story. Also, if you'd like to help support the ministry financially, you can give online or through our mobile giving app. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy today's message. Tonight, go ahead, let's welcome our online church family. Thank you for tuning in. It's going to be a great one. Give someone a high five around you, and then you can be seated. Well, happy Wednesday. Is everyone having a good week so far? It's good to have a pit stop in the middle of your week, kind of recharge. I always look forward to it. And I know we just welcomed our our first-time guests and our church family, but I want to take a moment and to just welcome you again, let you know what an honor it is to be able to host you in the middle of the week. And uh, if you are a first-time guest, my name is Lee. I'm one of the assistant pastors, and it is my joy and privilege to be able to share some things with you that God has put on my heart tonight. But uh, before we get into what we have in store uh, this evening, I want to remind you that we are in the middle of the summer series, and you've probably seen promotions and signage and all kinds of buzz going on about that. You know, I think the tendency is that a lot of churches, when when summer hits, we just expect that it's going to be slow. People leave, people go on vacation, stuff kind of declines, and some people just settle for that. But around here, we're all about ramping it up. We, we want to keep that momentum. We want to celebrate what God is doing here in this community and the lives that are being changed. And so we are enjoying the summer series. This past Sunday, Pastor Frank Beeler from Elevation Church in Charlotte, North Carolina, he was with us kicking that off. Did you all enjoy that? We've just had uh, great feedback of what that word uh, did in many people's lives and how it encouraged them. So I would encourage you to go back on our website or our mobile app and get caught up on that. And then just be so ready for this coming Sunday. Our good friend, Pastor Scott Williams, he's become like family to us. He'll be teaching all three morning services. And uh, if you're not familiar with Scott, he's been with us. I think this will be his third time in like a year now. But Scott, is, uh, he's, he's larger than life. When, he, when he's in the room... It changes everything. <laughs> uh, you will be challenged. You will be convicted, encouraged. I know you're going to laugh. And uh, so just make plans now to be here for that week two of the summer series with Scott Williams. And uh, we're going to get into some things here, but I think it's important that we acknowledge some of the, the tragedy that has taken place in our own backyard over this last week. Uh, it's not been a good week for Orlando at all. And uh, it's just heartbreaking, kind of a, a series of events. Now, we've, we've had some people ask, you know, why didn't we pray for the shooting on Sunday? And, you know, I have to, just on behalf of leadership and us here at Meadowbrook, I apologize if you were with us during first and second service. Uh, we did not pray for that because the whole thing was kind of unfolding that morning. We didn't even realize the severity of it till after second service was underway. So we did pray during third service. But I want you to know we are a, a, we are a place of prayer. We are a church who believes in the power of prayer and our hearts go out. Uh, to, to the people affected by this attack. You know, we see things like this in the news worldwide. We see things like this, you know, on an international uh, scale and, and, and just across our country. But to have something of this scale in our own backyard, essentially, uh, it, it's, it's terrifying. It's scary. And there's a lot of reactions. And I think it's important that as the church, when these things happen, we don't qu- so quickly skim over the tragedy to get to expressing our fears and our opinions, but that we remember what Jesus has called us to do. And so I could go on, but um, even though Pastor Tim is not with us, he's on vacation, he felt it important to uh, share a statement with you regarding what took place. So go ahead and watch this video from Pastor. Greetings to our wonderful Meadowbrook family. We were on vacation, but in light of the recent horrible attack, the tragic mass shooting that took place this past weekend in Orlando, 
As your pastor, I just wanted to take a minute to speak to you. We are believers. We are followers of Jesus Christ. And as such, we are called to reflect God's love to all people, each and every person who is created in the likeness and image of God. Further, we are to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. And this is the first and main issue. Not politics, not gun control, not terrorism, not sexual orientation. The first concern for us is that people, part of the human tribe, our sons, daughters, brothers, sisters, friends, were murdered, injured, traumatized. In an age of social media where so many people are more interested in expressing their opinion, I ask you to live and love on a higher level. Let me encourage you, as followers of Jesus, walk in love, guard your hearts, and take your place in prayer to hold back lawlessness. Pray for others like you would hope they would pray for you, and keep yourselves at peace. Alicia and I are praying for you, and we love you dearly. Today is going to be a great day at Meadowbrook. I don't think I could have expressed it better myself. I, I echo what he said, and I just call us to be a, a church who, yes, stands for what we believe, but more than anything that we love. You know, Jesus, the, the two greatest commandments he gave were to love God and to love others. And the way we love others is a measure of the way we love God. And so let's just be a people of prayer. Let's stand vigilant. And let's realize, yes, we live in crazy times, but we serve a big God, and uh, it's not over yet. Amen? How many of y'all were here last week for my message on miracles? All right, no, no applause needed. I just kind of want to get a feel. Um, I spoke about, about miracles, and, and the title of my message was this, the, A Candidate for a Miracle. Because, because bottom line, you and I, we are candidates for a miracle in our lives. Because the, the foundation or, or, or the prerequisite for a miracle is really a problem or a need. And I, and I asked you all last week, I said, how many of you all have problems? How many of you all have needs? Okay, you are a candidate for a miracle. And so often what happens with miracles is that we think of them uh, in the context of only the most impossible circumstances require a miracle. And, and the things that are seemingly possible to us, we try to handle on our own. We try to fix the little things that seem within our realm or in our ability, and then we find ourselves frustrated, fearful, worn out, and it's because we're trying to fix things we weren't meant to fix. So I challenge y'all to, when you think about what constitutes a miracle, don't think only about the impossible things, but realize the day-to-day, everything we face, even the, the, the seemingly possible situations, God wants us to give it all to him. And then, then following that, I really challenge y'all, yes, often miracles are supernatural and unexplainable and instantaneous, but God also performs day-to-day ordinary miracles through other people, through natural means, through ways that may seem explainable. And so walking away, I challenge you, if you can look at miracles as both the impossible and the possible, the supernatural and the natural, you will begin believing for and expecting miracles in new ways, and you will begin seeing miracles more frequently in your life. So I pray over this last week that you had a new awareness of God's faithfulness and that you were marking and recognizing the things that he's doing in your life. I know that I was. And so tonight I want to kind of turn a corner and and go from miracles to the subject of, of our testimony. Tonight's message is called The Power of Testimony, and I believe that there is power in our testimony. 
There is power in our story, and something happens when we share of the things that God has done in our life. So cool thing is going to happen. If you remember about a year ago, we did a service similar to this where at the end uh, there was a time of open share where we had microphones open and, and we opened it up to you to come forward and, and share some of those things firsthand that God was doing. So we want to hear from you again tonight. I'm going to give an instruction towards the end, but before we do so, I kind of want to lay a foundation on some things regarding our testimony and, and the power of that. I don't want to be long-winded, um, and I say that because I tend to be long-winded. I get it from my mom, I think. I love you, Mom. (laughs) Wow, guys, it wasn't that hard. (laughs) Maybe it was. Uh, But I don't want to be long-winded. I don't want to take too long. You know, I I want to get out of the way and and, and allow us to celebrate some of the things that God is doing. But let's, let's look at a few things. Life is made up of experiences, right? Every day, every week, you have experiences that form what your life is. We have good experiences. And we have bad experiences. We have things that we celebrate and enjoy and often talk about and relive. And then we have the things that none of us ever want to relive. The things that we wish didn't happen. The things we don't want to talk about. We wish we could just close that chapter um, and and just move on. But regardless, those experiences are what make us who we are. They're, They're what shape us. They're what test our faith. It's where maturity is produced. And really, it, it, it's where uh, our, our faith is developed and our ability to trust in God. And we all have a story that is actively being written. God, God is writing our story. Now, if we're real, for a lot of us, you may be in a chapter that you feel like, does this chapter ever end? <laughs> where, where is the resolution? I'm not seeing it in sight. And so it's easy when we're looking just on the current chapter, just what we're currently facing, uh, to get discouraged. But the good news for believers is that one day we'll stand at the completion of that book. And we'll look back and we'll see God's hand weaving our story together. We'll see every place that, that in, the, in that season it felt long, but how God was working together. As scripture says, he works all things together for the good of those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. So I encourage you, take heart. Wherever you're at, push through because God is at work in your life and your story is still being written. Now, I want to bring about this idea of salvation, okay? Salvation, it is the greatest gift that any of us could ever receive. And and, and as far as experiences go, I believe that one of the single greatest experiences you will have on this natural earth is that moment that you accept Jesus as your Savior. The moment that you receive that gift of salvation. And every believer remembers when it happened. When it took place, as as I'm talking about it, you can probably recall how old you were, where you were at, what was going on, the the events and circumstances that led to that experience taking place. And, and, you know, my salvation story may not be the same as yours. Um, I'm one of those, I, I, I was born in church type of guys. I wasn't really born in the church, but, but I can't really remember a time where I was ever not in church. And so maybe you relate to that, or maybe you're the polar opposite. Um, but I will say this, fun fact, I was conceived in a church. <laughs> Before you let your mind go crazy, <laughs> one of the first churches my parents were on staff at, there was like an attached housing, uh, a parsonage or whatever you want to call it, and I actually was conceived technically in a church. So I think God, he had plans for me early on where I was going to end up. Again, mom, I apologize if you're watching online. 
But I remember even from the earliest of ages observing ministry happening, people's lives being changed, experiencing worship, watching people serve, going to Sunday school, and even from an early age desiring those things, wanting to know more about God. I can look back and I remember uh, even at a young age knowing that there was power in Scripture and that God had promises for me. Um, The the first Sunday of the church, uh, I was just a little guy. I don't even think I was four years old. And so Meadowbrook has been my life. And, and dad had gone on ahead. Our first service was in a conference room at the Hilton Hotel. He was there praying, setting up, probably wondering if anyone was even going to show up. And uh, we were at home with my parents, me and my younger sister and my grandmother. And I was just driving everyone crazy. Mom was getting ready. She was probably a ball of nerves as well. And I was driving my grandmother and my sister crazy. And finally, I, I, I remember this distinct sound. And it was the sound of my mom's hairbrush hitting the counter. And that meant game over. Uh, she was coming to find me. And so I ran to my bedroom. I grabbed my Bible and I went up to my grandma. I said, Mama, hurry, find me something on self-control. <laughs> I knew I was in trouble, but I knew there was probably an answer in that book. And, and, and so uh, uh, probably not even the age of four, I remember praying the sinner's prayer with my mom. I remember how real it was and praying it and wanting to know Jesus. Now, there, there was that moment that I, I, I received salvation. But then, you know, as, as a kid growing up, growing up in church, a lot of times it's easy to go through the motions. It's easy to get on autopilot. But I remember the summer where it just became so real to me. Uh, I think I was about 14 years old, and I was at a youth summer camp, and I was asking the deeper questions and just wanting God to be so real to me. And I remember surrendering my life and saying, God, whatever you want, that's what I want, and I, and I choose to, to serve you and to trust you. And you can probably recall in your life that moment that it became real to you. So salvation, it's an incredible experience. But the thing is, it is often preceded by some other experience. The, the experience of salvation is preceded by another experience, meaning rarely do you walk up to a complete stranger and say, do you want to accept Jesus? And they do so on the spot. I'm not saying it hasn't happened or it can't or won't happen, but usually it doesn't work that way. Maybe it was the compassion of a stranger where, where someone was going through something just earth shattering and a believer, a follower of Jesus reached out to them and did something that just showed them the love of God that opened the door for them to receive Christ in a dramatic way. Maybe it was a moment of desperation. You've heard of people who are on their deathbed and something happens in that time where they, they look back over their life and they're, they're suddenly faced with the reality of eternity and the questions of where am I going to spend eternity? And, 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 they, and they cry out to God and in his mercy, he meets them where they're at. And that could be the, the experience that precedes salvation for that person. Maybe it's something more relational. Maybe it's You know, Pastor Tim talks about relational, invitational evangelism. That's the most effective form, that that you guys, you have your own circles and your realms of influence, and by building a relationship with people who are far from God, that paves the way for them to be more likely to receive Christ, especially if you are showing good fruit in your life. If they see something different and, and something better, they're going to desire that, and your walk, what you model, the fruit you display could be the experience or the thing that sets up their salvation experience. So salvation is preceded by experience. Salvation is obviously itself an experience, a life-changing experience. Again, something that changes everything. It changes who we are. It changes the course of our life. And and in the trajectory of our life, not just here on this earth, but for all of eternity. And, you know, it's not just a prayer that we simply read or repeat or something we, we just say because someone else is saying it. But if you've truly accepted that gift, you know that it's full of heart. 
It's full of consideration. It's something that is full of emotion. And when you meet God in that place, it changes you. Amen? Okay, so let's put the idea of salvation aside for a second. And I want to look at this, this term, revelation. Revelation. Now, immediately when I say that, you probably think of the book of Revelation. You know, the last book in, in Scripture. But more generally speaking, um, the definition of revelation is a previously unknown fact made known in a dramatic way. Something that is previously unknown to you that is made known in a dramatic way. Have you ever had like that light bulb come on with something? Some may call it an aha moment where just suddenly something clicks. It makes sense. You're like, I got it. Salvation or revelation is kind of that. Uh, Just because salvation, uh, just because you may not have received it or just because you may not understand it doesn't mean it doesn't exist or that God hasn't offered it. But everyone has that moment of revelation where something dramatic takes place and it becomes real to them or known to them in a dramatic way. That is revelation. So salvation is revelation. Salvation is revelation. And when we have a revelation experience, it changes us. All right? Are y'all here? Are y'all excited? Are you expectant? Has your life been changed by any type of revelation that you've had? Okay. I hope I'm talking to the right people. You, you may have heard this. A, a man with an experience is never at the sake of a man with an argument. Okay? Meaning that there's things in your life you've experienced firsthand. It's changed you. And no matter how much someone may argue against that or try to disprove that to you, because you've experienced, it doesn't matter what they say. You're, you're not at, at their mercy. And, and so I think of Paul. You know, he has this dramatic conversion on the road to Damascus. He, he is a horrible person, and he encounters God in a, a dramatic way. He has a moment of revelation. Something maybe previously unknown to him is made known in a dramatic way. And so Saul becomes Paul, and he does a 180 from persecuting Christians to then going about to, to build the local church and to write most of the New Testament. And, and so I want to show you something here in Galatians chapter 1, verses 11 through 24. He says, For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. But I received it through a what? A revelation of Jesus Christ. That light bulb came on. Verse 13, For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. But when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to, what? Reveal, a moment of of revelation, reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I went away to Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas and remained with him 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. And what I am writing to you before God, I do not lie. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia and I still and was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. Get this, verse 23. They only were hearing it, said, he who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. So verse 11, Paul has that revelation. He says he's received what he has by revelation of Jesus Christ. 
And then he goes on because of, of the ministry that is taking place, because of what he is proclaiming. In verse 23 and 24, the people recognize this. And they say, they say this guy who, who was so evil, he had this revelation and, and he's, he's preaching the good news. And, 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 and so what do they do? It says that they glorified God because of Paul. So not only did he have revelation, but more people had a revelation because of his revelation. Does that make sense? Meaning that when you have something that changes you, it's not just for you and yourself to celebrate and keep to yourself. It's something to proclaim, to tell of what God has done in your life, to share your story and your experiences. And when you do so, it leads to a revelation experience for others. It helps build their faith and their belief in God because of what he's done in your life and because of you telling of such great things. So revelation yields revelation. Experience yields experience. Testimonies yield or bring about other testimonies. And this only happens when we recall what he has done. So salvation, revelation. Now this brings us to this thought of recollection. That we would recollect, we would recall, we would talk about the good things that God has done. Henry Nouwen said this. He said, memory not only connects us with our past, but it keeps us alive in the present. It's not simply looking back at events, but it's bringing those events into the present to celebrate now. And again, it's not just a celebration for us, but it's, it's to celebrate and to show people what God is capable of. Now, do you believe the word of God has the power to change lives? Yes. It, it, it has the power to change lives on its own, but testimonies are powerful because people can relate to stories. I, I love a good story. I love to share stories. I love it when I'm listening to someone and they share stories because it kind of puts it in terms we all can relate to. It puts us in a, in, in a way that we, it personalizes it or we can understand it because we can kind of insert ourselves into that story based on a similar experience in our own life. And so that's one of the reasons that Jesus used parables to convey truth. Stories were his, one of his main methodologies of preaching. Stories communicate to the mind in a way that we are wired to receive truth by God. It, it's not accidental. It's very intentional. And Jesus used testimonies really to confirm that the words he spoke were truth. You know, it's one thing I like, I could get up here and I could talk about how good God is and what the Bible says. But if there's no fruit of that anywhere, what, what really is confirming that it's true? Rick Warren says, he says, I'm just the spokesman. But the people in my church, the people whose lives are being changed and transformed, those are the satisfied customers. And, and, you know, that's an analogy there. He's not talking about selling the word of God. But, it, but the point is this. It doesn't matter who's, who's, who's talking about it. It's the fruit. That's what really shows that the words Jesus spoke were true. And that's why we're so passionate here about celebrating the things God has done in your life. Talking about it. Sharing our testimonies. Showing God's stories. Because we don't want to just talk about what God can do. We want to show you what he is doing and building our faith as we move forward as, as a local church. In Acts 28... Paul has just been shipwrecked, and, and there was setbacks, there were storms, he's shipwrecked, and now he's on the island, and after all that he's endured, he's, he's, he's bundling sticks to build a fire, and scripture says that a viper comes out and latches onto his hand. So poor Paul, right? He, after, after all these things he's endured, now it's going to be a viper that, that does him in. But someone who's endured so much and persevered so much and seen God work in such an amazing way, scripture says that he shook it off. He shook it off. 
He threw it into the fire. So this thing's not going to take me out. And, and, and the islanders, they observe this, and they don't, they don't know what's going on. They think that Paul is a god. They're, they're, they're amazed. So they bring a prominent man in, 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 from the island to him whose father is sick. He, he, he's got a high fever and, and, and crazy symptoms. They don't think he's going to make it. And so they bring him before Paul. Well, Paul lays hands on the man, and the man is healed. The people that see this are amazed. And then it says that everyone that was sick was brought to him, and they were healed that day. Again, what is this? They, they, the, it's, it's the power of testimony. Their faith was strengthened because they saw Paul in the face of death walk through it. They saw Paul go and because of the power of Jesus, lay hands on a man and heal him. And that led to more testimony. That led to more revelation. That led to more experience of God doing something incredible. And you know, in my own life, I've seen the benefit of, of people around me sharing what God did in their life and seen it firsthand build my faith. Firsthand build my faith. I, I've shared this last year, I think, but when Katie and I first found out we were pregnant with Gavin, uh, you know, he's our first. So we were super excited and we hadn't even been to the doctor yet. And we just wanted to tell everyone, tell everyone that we were, we were expecting a baby. And the, the weekend before our first appointment, uh, Katie started having extreme pain. And so we took her to the emergency room. And when we got there, they did some tests and ultrasound and all that. And uh, basically there was a cyst on her ovaries that had ruptured that was causing the pain. Uh, but they did an ultrasound. They saw the baby. There was no heartbeat or anything yet, but we were just glad she was okay. So we went home that weekend. We rested. And uh, come Monday, we go to the OB. And, and so he looks at the paperwork we had from the hospital. He, uh, he, he, he did some tests. He talked to us for a little. And then he said, I have some concerns. He said, based on what your levels are, uh, we should be seeing a heartbeat. And the fact that we're not concerns me. He said, and I fear that this is not a viable pregnancy. He said, if that's the case, we're going to have to do a procedure and basically remove this, this baby. But he's like, it's not even really a baby because it never, the life isn't really forming. And so we were distraught. We were, you know, devastated. And we'd already told people. I think we'd even already received some gifts. And, and you know, I know miscarriage happens a lot of times. I know there's people here who have, have walked through infertility. But for us, this was scary. And, and so we went home and, and our faith was shaken. But yet in just a few days, talking to some people close to us, they shared very similar experiences they had, and God showed himself faithful in their situation. I said, you know what? If God did it for them, he can do it for us. If God is faithful to one, he's no respecter of persons. He can do the same thing in my life. And so I was set. When we're going in there Monday morning, uh, we're, we're going to hear a heartbeat. And so we go in there, and, and I think we were nervous, but I remember them getting the little wand out or whatever they did. I can't remember now. And you've ever heard a baby's heartbeat? It's like that... It was faint, but it was there. And I was like, there's my boy. I didn't know it was a boy yet, but it was, it was incredible. And now he's almost six years old, and he's probably driving Mr. Carlos crazy back in NBC Kids. But that's a testimony of what God can do. And I know that there's people here who have similar testimonies and, and things that God is doing in your life. But here's what it all boils down to. The more people who talk about what God has done in their life the more others will realize that God is real, miracles happen, and prayer works. Do you believe that God is real? Do you believe that miracles happen? Do you believe that prayer works? The more we talk about that in our life, the more others will come to the realization, to that revelation experience of the very same thing. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Meadowbrook Church. We hope you stay connected by following us on Facebook, 
Instagram, and Twitter at NBC Ocala.